Are you expecting me to sing? <laughs> well, are you in the mood to talk about love? I played that video just to get you in that mood so that we could talk about love. Now, do you think that any of our pastors could sing like this? In fact, I heard through the grapevine that Pastor Chuck was in a wedding last week. And you might want to talk to him about that. Because it was in a Methodist church, you never know, you know, that he may have uh, been under priestly clothes and all of those different things. But in any case, you know, there is so much confusion about love in our culture today. You know, I brought this. This was given to my wife when she had an open heart surgery to replace one of her valves. And Mid-Michigan Medical Center gave her this. And this heart has become a symbol of love in our society. Do you know why? Anybody? You know, there was a time that people felt the operating system of human being was really the heart. And so they put the greatest stuff about, heart, about uh, the greatest thing, which is love, in the heart itself. And as a result, you know, heart has become the symbol of love in our culture today. But moreover, you know, love is the word that we have been using for just about everything and anything. For example, when somebody says, I love my spouse, in the same breath, using the same word love says, I love my pet. Do you love them differently? Or it's the same way? Or somebody says, I love my family. And in the same breath, using the same word says, I love Detroit Lions. Do you love them the same way or somehow differently? And, and the list goes on and on and on. And as a result, there's so much confusion about the word love in our society and, our, and in our culture. The reason is we only have one word, love. You know, it's very similar to we learned, I think, a year ago or so. You know, we, we, in the English language, you means singular as well as plural. And therefore, in the absence of a context, for example, if I say, I love you, you have no idea whether I'm speaking to my wife over there or to all of you, right? Because it's singular as well as the plural. In the same way, in the English language, you know, there's this word love. It's only one word that's there, and we throw it out at anything and everything, and as a result, we have some kind of a confusion. However, in the Greek language, the language of the New Testament, there are several words, but at least three of them are used very frequently. And you will see them on the screen. Each describing a different kind of love. For example, they would use the word eros to describe a love between a husband and a wife. 
So a husband could turn to a wife and say, I eros you, I, you know, it means I love you romantically and sexually, you know, things of that kind, and it's communicated differently, and therefore other people hearing it wouldn't misunderstand, in, misunderstand it in any way whatsoever. Then there's a second word called phylos, or, or philia is another, way of, uh, another form of it. It's used to describe affection, for other people, whether that's family, friends, children, parents, brothers and sisters, you know, they would use the word phylos or philia to express that. And again, there is no confusion when that word is used. I might turn to my daughter, a daughter and say, I, I phylos you, I philia you means I have an affection for you that's different than the love that I have for my wife. And the third word, which, by the way, was not very, very much used until the New Testament Christians popularized it. And they popularized for a very specific reason. That is, they saw this kind of love in God. It is referred to as the word agape in Greek. It describes the highest form of love, the unconditional love, sometimes referred to as the sacrificial love, sometimes even referred to as the Christian love because they were the ones who popularized it sometime, some 200, 2,000 years ago. An excellent example is found in, for example, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, in which Paul, the apostle Paul says this, God shows his love, and that word is agape, for us in that while we were yet sinners, or still sinners, Christ died for us. And he elaborates somewhere else in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 through 9, which says this, God being rich in mercy because of his great love, again the word agape, with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive in, uh, together with Christ, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness Toward us in Christ Jesus. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. That's agape love. Shown by God to us the undeserving. It is the highest form of love. Because it's originated from God. With God. And it is shown to the undeserving. That is, while we were yet sinners, unable to do anything to reach out to God, God in His great mercy and His love reached out to us, the agape love. So I hope, you know, that's the unfortunate part of it. We have one word. We use love. Whereas the Greeks used three different and therefore, it was very clear exactly what kind of love that we would be talking about. It turns out, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that Michaela Carpenter read to us earlier, every time the word appears in the English translation, the word love appears in the English translation, in fact, it appears ten times. The Greek word is agape. It's not eros. It's not philos. It's agape. 
And you and I have, you know, many times heard about, heard First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, you know, being read in a wedding. This has absolutely nothing to do with the love between a husband and wife. It has everything to do with the love that God has shown to the undeserving, the highest form of love. So keep in mind, I'm going to again, we are restricted because only one, one word that we have, love in the English language, but every time I say love, we will be talking about the agape love, the highest form of love that God had shown to the undeserving people like us. It is the highest form of love, and that's the kind of love that we would be talking about. And because we have received that kind of love from God, but the Apostle Paul is saying to us through 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is, show the same kind of love to others. We receive and then we give it away. We receive and we give it away. Now, last week, we heard from Pastor Jeremy about the spiritual gifts. And it, is, it was very clear from, the, from that teaching, you know, again, if you study the First Corinthians chapter 13, it's very clear that God had blessed this church, the Corinthian church, with all kinds of spiritual gifts. But instead of using those gifts to build up the body of Christ, they were arguing about which one, which one is better. Which reflects true spirituality. Whether or not we should be using those in our worship services. And as a result, there was division in the church. And their worship services had become disruptive and chaotic. And so again, that's chapter 12. And then chapter 14, he's going to come and talk about the two gifts that we're really fighting about. The gifts of speaking in tongues and also the gifts of prophecy. And before he did that, he's building a foundation here in chapter 13. And saying, here's here's what he's saying. Here's the message of of, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Cultivate and practice agape love. Not any other love. Agape love, the highest form of love. Because it lasts into eternity and it must be the foundation on which we build and exercise our spiritual gifts at present. Build your spiritual gifts on agape love as a foundation. At present, because it's a solid foundation that lasts into eternity. So I'm going to unpack this main idea for the remainder of the, ser- remainder of the sermon. So I invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And again, if you are using the blue Bible, it's found on page 1220. So here's the first point that comes off of this single sentence. Agape love must be the foundation on which 
we build and exercise our spiritual gifts at present. Agape love must be the foundation on which we build and exercise our spiritual gifts at present. And please look with me to verses 1 through 3. It begins, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, that means agape love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but have not agape love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not agape love, I gain nothing. In these verses, the Apostle Paul is saying that without agape love, the spiritual gifts are nothing, and those exercising spiritual gifts become nothing as well. For example, notice in verse 1, there's a statement there, the second half of verse 1, it says, I am a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. You see, in the Greek New Testament, the words I am in verse 1 actually mean I become or I have become. Not I am. I become or I have become. In other words, the person exercising spiritual gifts without agape love starts out as somebody with something to offer, but ends up as nobody with nothing to offer. Do you get it? The person exercising spiritual gifts without agape love starts out as somebody with something to offer, but ends up as nobody with nothing to offer. Whatever the person started with is gone. That's why one commentary put it this way. The absence of agape love in ministry means that I am changed for the worse. I have become hollow. I am nothing. I gain nothing for all of my effort. The absence of agape love in the exercising of gifts ruins the person. Strong statements. That's why agape love must be the foundation on which we build and exercise our spiritual gifts at present. So, I'm looking for Dan Hickman, who played the keyboard for us today. Dan, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Come on in. Because we are going to demonstrate this for you. Okay? So, what, what's going to happen is, Dan is going to play a very basic, very simple song. And I'm going to try and play that. Okay? I'm going to try and play that. So, I'm going to go there. And watch Dan Hickman very carefully. All right, go ahead, Dan. 
they could do. Are you controlling the microphone over there? Or? All right, here you go. You've got it. This is just too complicated for me. You're playing with two hands, you know. I could only use one. So can you kind of do it on, in one hand? Yeah. One note. Okay, let's see. Am I playing the same thing? Thank you, Dan. I guess, you know, whatever small reputation that you had for me is gone, right? <laughs> Here, here's, the, here's the thing. Whereas Dan has music theory as his foundation. And he has been cultivating it and practicing it all of his life. I have absolutely none of it, Right? And therefore, when Dan plays, you are into it. You are drawn into it. You are enjoying it. And you are even drawn into singing along as Dan plays. Whereas when I start playing, you are ready to walk out. Right? Or you thought in a David is of some reputation, and that's gone. And that's how it is. When we exercise our spiritual gifts without agape love. And as the sermon unfolds, you will see that more and more and more. And that's why Paul instructs. Or instructed the Corinthians then and through them instructs us now. Agape love must be the foundation on which you and I build and exercise our spiritual gifts. Now, let me provide two other examples so that because that this, this is very important to grasp. For example, would you ever drive a car without a coolant or an oil? In fact, you know, to, as, a, as, a, as a story, you know, this is early in our marriage, and uh, we, we went to visit uh, some, some of our friends in Washington, D.C. area, and suddenly on our way back to Boston, the, the car heated up. So we pulled over to the closest gas station, and, and there was, it's, it was Sunday, and therefore, you know, there was, there was hardly anybody. But it turned out there was a mechanic, mechanic who could not do much there for us. But he, but he saw us that somehow the fan was not working for whatever reason. The belt had, you know, gone bad or something like that. And, and, and the fan was not working. So this is what he said. Hey, it's Sunday. We cannot do anything for you. You have two choices. Either you could take a break and drive tomorrow, get the car repaired and drive tomorrow. Or I could hook up this fan directly to your battery. And it will work all the time. 
So if you have to pump gas somewhere along the way or something like that, pump it very quickly and get off on the road and you will be all right, which is what we did. And so we got home safely, you know, and things of that kind. And the next morning, I got up, time to go to work. I started the car and the engine was totaled. It was gone. Because it was not being cooled while I was driving. And it's the same way with the spiritual gifts. You know, again, we, we, we all have spiritual gifts, but the first things first, we have to build agape love as a foundation before we exercise our spiritual gifts. Here's another example. Now, in 2010, there were two earthquakes, one in Haiti and the other one in, was in Chile. The one earthquake in Haiti was a lesser magnitude, was 7.0 on the Richter scale, so much lower. Whereas the one in Chile was 8.8, so it was 1.8. That's a huge difference in terms of the earthquakes and things like that. The lesser one that was in Haiti killed more than 200,000 people. Whereas the more severe one in Chile killed about 700 people. Why was that? Chile, as a more industrial, more economically advanced nation, had adopted earthquake-proof technologies to build their buildings. Most of the time, they're about the foundation. They're on the foundation. They can roll a little bit. They can flex a little bit, you know, things of that kind. Whereas Haiti, as a poor country, did not and could not. As a result... There were more deaths in Haiti than in Chile. God has given us spiritual gifts to build up his body, the church. Therefore, use them by all means. As Pastor Jeremy said last week, use them by all means. They are gifts to us to build his body. But let us make sure that we build and exercise them on a solid foundation of agape love. Without it, you and I would become worse off than when we started. We would be ruined. We would become nothing, zero, nada, zilch. That's the first point that the Apostle Paul is making. Second, obviously this raises a question What exactly is this agape love? Again, remember, before the New Testament Christians came along, this was a word that was hardly used in common conversations. And therefore, Apostle Paul actually had to explain exactly what he means by this. He uses 15 expressions of agape love, seven of them stated positively and eight of them negatively, and we find them in verses 4 through 7. So let's read it. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never ends. 
Now, I, I wish this morning we had the time to go through each and every word and provide detailed expl- explanation of those, but we won't have the time to do that. So let me surface five thematic statements from what Paul had said in verses 4 through 7. Here's the first one that he says. First he says, love is not an idea, not even a motivating factor for behavior. It is behavior. For example, it is patient, should have been translated as, love waits patiently. Therefore, then we could begin to ask the question, what exactly does it mean? What behaviors are appropriate for a patient person? And the same is true of love is kind. The second one that Paul says is that love, the agape love, promotes others instead of self. For example, love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love does not insist on its own way. And love does not rejoice at the wrongdoing, but rejoice in the truth. All of this indicates love promotes others instead of self. Third one, this, this one I love it because it provides the word picture. Agape love does not retaliate. Like a shock absorber, it absorbs offenses, insults, and inconveniences for the sake of others' welfare. For example, love is not irritable. It is not rude. It is not arrogant. It is not resentful. These are all self-absorbing attributes of love, behaviors of love. Love does not retaliate like a shock absorber. It absorbs offenses, insults, and inconveniences for the sake of others' welfare. Fourth one. Agape love for sure acts in the present. No question. But it is also prepared for the future. Agape love acts in the present, but it is also prepared for the future. Now on the big screen, you see those four statements. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. You know, things of that kind. It is said to be, what, what, what English professors will tell you is, it's in a chiasm. It is a fancy word for the fact there's a mirror that runs through B and B prime. As a result, A and A prime go together. B and B prime go together. And usually, most of the time, that means they mean the same thing. For example, love bears all things is present. At present, love bears all things. Similarly, love endures all things. It's present. Love presently endures all things, insults and inconveniences and offenses in all of those different things. Then the middle ones go together. So love believes all things. That's about the future. And love hopes all things. It's about the future. So in these four sentences, so to speak, the Apostle Paul is communicating the idea love is both present and future. It acts in the present, but is prepared for the future as well. And one commentary put it this way. 
There's nothing love cannot face. Love has a tenacity in the present, buoyed by its absolute confidence in the future that enables it to live in every kind of circumstance and continually to pour itself out in behalf of others. Furthermore, notice in that in those areas, it's, it's moved on. He talks about endures all things, all things, all things, which means that love, the agape love, has no limits to its faith, no limits to its hope, no limits to its endurance. Now, you know, while preparing for the sermon for the past few weeks, Whereas Pastor Jeremy has to, you know, prepare every week and preach. I kind of, for every four weeks or six weeks or, you know, whenever that happens. I have several weeks to prepare. God has a sense of humor. I was tested and tested to the core. And I kept saying to myself, David, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not arrogant. Not only that, in one of the commentaries, I I also, uh, uh, you know, somebody explained, replace the word love with your name. So I did that. David is patient. David is kind. David does not envy. David does not boast. And all of a sudden, you begin to realize the call that God has placed in the lives of his people. That we have been called to make this agape love as the foundation on which to build everything. Life, ministry, spiritual gifts, Whatever. And that's the challenge for us today. So let's not just throw in this love and I love my spouse and I love my dog. I love my family and I love my Detroit Lions. That's not what it is. It is a unique kind of love. It is the highest form of love. It, it comes from God. And it, God has given it to us. And he has given us the Holy Spirit to live like this. And that's what the Apostle Paul wanted the Corinthian church to do. And that's what the Apostle Paul wants us to do today. In our families, in our churches, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, wherever we go. You know, in, interestingly enough, we are going to come back to this in, in, a, in a moment. You know, uh, the, 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 the last sentence here concludes, you know, faith, hope, and love remain. And the greatest of all is love. So one of the things that I did was, you know, out of curiosity, I said, you know, I know of lots of faith churches. I know lots of churches that have the name Hope. 
So I decided to do, do a Google search and, and see if there are any churches that were called love churches. You know how many I came up with? About five or six. Then I said, okay, maybe, maybe they, they chose the word agape. So I said, okay, are there churches having the name agape? So I typed it up, and there were about a, a dozen churches. That's it. Whereas I searched Hope Church, boy, it went pages and pages, hundreds of thousands of them. And the same was true about the love, uh, faith church. But there aren't very many churches that were called out. And I begin to, began to wonder why. And that's our challenge for us today. That if we name our church Love Church, and I guess we have to live like loving people, right? And then the fifth point that I wanted to make regarding the attributes of love is that that brings me to the sixth point, which is also the next point, that love never ends. It is a permanent foundation that lasts into eternity. Agape love is a permanent foundation that lasts into eternity. And I find those, that, that particular uh, idea in verses 8 through 13. It says, agape love never ends. In fact, the literal translation is, agape love never collapses. And again, it goes back to the idea of foundation. It never collapses. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. We know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and agape love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is agape love. Now the phrase, when perfect comes in verse 10, refers to two, one of two things. Either Jesus' second coming, when he will establish his perfect eternal reign, or when a believer happens to die before then, then it, it, it must be about the believer being taken into the perfection of heaven to be with Jesus. One of two things. Second coming of Jesus, or the believer dies and taken up into heaven the perfection of heaven, and to be with Jesus. In both of these instances, spiritual gifts, such as prophecies, tongues, and knowledge, will cease to exist. And here are the reasons why. There are two reasons why they cease to exist. First, these spiritual gifts are imperfect and partial, as Apostle Paul would say, and therefore will have no place in perfection. And Paul uses an illustration there. He says it's similar to childish behaviors ceasing as a person grows into adulthood. Although I must admit, my wife, Jim, keeps telling me sometimes I behave like a child. But that's the idea. As, you know, can you imagine you know, going to a shopping mall and an adult sits in the shopping cart sucking his thumb? And that disappears when we grow from childhood to adulthood. 
Second, spiritual become, gifts become irrelevant and unnecessary. And here's the reason why. A commentary put it beautifully, so I'm not going to even change it. Here's what the commentary says. Prophecies are messages from God. But when we stand before him and hear his voice, there will be no more need for prophets to relay his words to us. Likewise, when we stand before God, there will be no need to speak in other tongues, since we will all understand God when he speaks. The knowledge that is so important to us now will be irrelevant then, because when we are in God's presence, we will know perfectly. When the perfection comes, all these imperfect things, spiritual gifts of tongues and prophecy and knowledge, they all disappear. They are no longer needed and they have no place in them. On the other hand, agape love will continue on into eternity. It is a permanent foundation that lasts forever. And here is the same person saying again, uh, in, the, in these words, among the enduring virtues, love is the greatest because it will only increase when we see the Lord rather than decreasing in us as faith and hope will. In the future, we will continue to trust God and hope in him, but the reality of his presence will make it easier for us to do so then than it is now. And therefore, into eternity, when we, when we see the Lord, when we are in front of God, faith decreases. Hope decreases because we no longer have to hope. We no longer need the faith because we see him face to face. But as he does incredible things in heaven, our love keeps on increasing. And that's why love is the greatest. That's why the Apostle Paul says, cultivate and practice this eternally significant agape love now. Make it the foundation on which you and I build and exercise our spiritual gifts. But you know, as I reflected on this, I, thought to my, I said to myself, many believers, when they read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, are overwhelmed and say that it is impossible to live out agape love lifestyle on this side of heaven. As a result, many are not eager to cultivate and practice it. They think that they can wait until they get to heaven and somehow agape love would begin to ooze out on them. Do you agree with that thinking? I hope not. Now let me illustrate it this way. Think about expecting mothers, pregnant mothers. Let's say the womb is like our world. It's a dark world out there, you know. And so let's say that the womb... It's like our world. And this child's destination is really the real world that we have it today, which has sunlight and all of those different things. Let's call it the heaven for now. Okay, so the mother's womb is the world, and the outside world is the heaven. Now, inside the womb, the baby is developing in stages over a period of about nine months. Some 36, sometimes 40 weeks. 
Now, the baby does not say, I am not fully developed yet. So let me wait until I am born to flex my muscles and use my organs. Instead, in week 18, with partially developed ears and brain, the baby begins to hear the mother's heartbeat and voice. By week 25, the baby startles in response to loud noises from the outside world and can even hear the father's voice if the father stays close enough to the womb. By week 27, the baby is able to recognize and even respond to parents' voice. So parents begin to speak and sing to the baby and even call the baby by name if they had already picked out the name. At times the baby responds and all of this is by a baby who is still not fully formed or developed. Right? While I was sharing all of this with our staff this past week, one of them related a very heartwarming story to us. Soon after the birth in the delivery room, the newly born child was screaming nonstop. Suddenly the dad walked over, closer to the child, called the child by name, and said, This is daddy. And the newborn immediately stopped crying. All that practice while in the womb, still with body not fully formed or developed, enabled the child to recognize the father's voice instantly and find comfort. Now let's look at it, that's from the child's point of view. Let's look at it from the parent's point of view. As unformed as a child was in in the mother's womb, parents are thrilled when when the child recognizes and responds to their voices, don't you think? It is the same with our Heavenly Father. He is delighted with our practices of agape love as imperfect as they may be on this side of heaven. Therefore, don't wait. Somehow you have to be perfect. That you have to have this perfect agape love before you exercise spiritual gifts. Do it now. Make it the foundation on which you build and exercise your spiritual gifts at present. Your Heavenly Father will be delighted. The life that is so touched by the never-ceasing agape love of God in Christ, enabled by the Holy Spirit, cultivates and practices agape love at present. And that's our call today. Go and do that in your world, whether here at the church, in your neighborhoods, in your families, in your workplaces, in your schools, wherever they may be, may you and I be known for agape love, the highest form of love 
that has come to us from God through Christ so that we could express it to others as well. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for these words from Apostle Paul. Father, you have not left us without help. But rather, you have given us the Holy Spirit to live like that in our world today. So help us, Lord. Help us, help us, help us to show this agape love everywhere we go. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.